aspect about how God led this church back there in the book of Exodus. But before we get into that, I want us to look at a few verses. You can turn to um, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. First Corinthians chapter 12, and the title of the sermon this morning is, We Need Each Other. Yes, sir. We need each other. Amen. But more than that, we need God's help, and so let's, let's go to Him in prayer. Lord, we come to You, we ask You, Lord, that You please bless us this morning with Your presence and, and guide us, Lord, as we... As we walk through your word and um, look at these various passages, Lord, may we, may we see your hand. May we see the words that you have inspired, Lord, and may they, they touch, our, touch our hearts, Lord. Each of us are in different situations and in different phases of life. Um, but, Lord, your word is relevant to everyone's situation. And, Lord, I pray that you would um, open up our eyes to see and our ears to hear, Lord what you would have us do so that we can have, be a more effective and um, uh, strong church um, for you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and verse 4. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 says, Now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are differences of administrations, but the same Lord. And they are diversities of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to some men to profit with all. Given to every man to profit with all. Right? Every man. Okay? It says there in verse 4, diversities of gifts, talents. Gifts, the things that God has given to you that you can do. It speaks about differences in administrations. Those are positions in the church. And it speaks there in verse 6 about the diversities of operations. Those are functions that you can fulfill or tasks that you can do. Regardless of what it is, God has given, as it says in verse 7, to every man for what purpose? To profit with all, right? What God has given you, the position, the gift, or the function is for the benefit of the whole body. All right? That is what he's saying to every man. Have a look at verse 11 after he goes through some of these gifts. Verse 11 he says, But all these worketh that one and the selfsame spirit, dividing to every man severally as he will. For as the body is one and hath many, many members, And all the members of that body, being many, are one body. So also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body. Whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one Spirit. For, verse 14, the body is not one member but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole whole were a hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it has pleased him. Right? Verse 7 says, Every man. Verse 11 says, every man. Verse 18 says, everyone. We all are not accidentally where we are. God didn't make a mistake by making you a certain member or by locating you in a certain place. Every one of us, we are put in the body of Christ. We are one body, many members, but all of us are there with a purpose. To profit with all. To profit with all. For each other. That's why he goes on to say, if everyone is an eye, then how, how are we going to hear? If everyone's an a, 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 um, ear, how are we going to smell? Right? We need to have diversities, but we need to all function together yeah. as one body. Have a look at Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4. 
Ephesians chapter 4, speaks about the, 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 the uh, ministries or the administrations earlier in the, in the chapter. But in verse 15, Ephesians 4 verse 15, it says, um, we are to sp- But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Verse 16, from whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. Once again, you see, it's for the edification of itself, but what's interesting there, it says that every joint supplieth. So how is this body compacted? How is this body strengthened? It's by every joint supplying what it needs to supply. That's how it's compacted. If every joint is not, and we'll look at that, you can actually turn to First Peter, but if you think of it as, as, a, as a building that's being built, these bricks, First Peter 2, these bricks that build up this house, if you have uncompacted or bricks, right, then that's going to be a soft point in the wall. That's going to be a place that's going to be a point of failure for the entire wall. Yeah. Right? So every joint, every joint needs to be compacted. And we do that by being together. Right? Let's look at 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5. It says, Ye also, as lively stones are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So we are to build this house together. We are to lay brick next to brick. You know, it, uh, you know a, a brick cannot float by itself, <laughs> right? I know I mean, if you've watched too much movies, maybe you think that bricks can float, but a brick cannot float, okay? For, for this brick to be here, it needs a brick underneath it, right? And so the wall needs to be built brick by brick. Look at what it says in verse 4. Um, speaking of Christ, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Speaking about Christ, look at verse 6. Wherefore also it, um, it is contained in the scripture, behold, I lay in Zion a chief corner stone, Elect and precious. That, that's speaking about Christ. So he's this living stone, this lively stone, this, this chief cornerstone that sets the course for the wall that way, sets the course for the wall that way, but brick after brick after brick needs to be laid in other for the other members to function. If, if the brick underneath me falls away, I'm likely to fall as well, right? And so we need to be compacted. We need to be strong. We need to stand together. And that's why I say we need each other. In verse 5 of 1 Peter 2, it actually gives us some good reasons. It says, so that we can be a holy priesthood, to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God, right? So we need to have a common goal. We need to be one house that is holy. That means to be, we are set apart for God's purpose. So together we can bring a, a sacrifice acceptable to God. But that requires every member, right, to function in the way that God has given that member to function. So I've, I've, we've looked at, at, at 1 Corinthians 12 and Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 2 for the reason to establish some common ground. Okay? And the common ground that I'm trying to establish is that we're all in this together. Right? We're one body. We're, we're one house. Okay? That is what God has given us to be. We are, and, and, and every single member is exactly where God wants them to be in terms of their function, in terms of their gifts, right? We don't, we don't need 200 people to preach. <laughs> I mean, that just, I mean, you'd have some crazy schedule <laughs> and, <laughs> and potentially some um, disunity to an extent. But the point is, we need, we need teachers, sure, but we don't need 200 teachers. We, we, we need people who can minister to those who are struggling with health issues. We need people who, are, who need counseling, who are counselors. We, we, we have all these different functions that need to be taken care of. A building project, right? 
a church building to, to live in, a clean place. To, like We need all these different things. And so not everyone is supposed to do the same thing. But we are supposed to have a common goal and work together. Now, you are located where you're supposed to be located, and you are the member that you're supposed to be. But that does not necessarily mean that you are functioning, right? You, you've all seen, and I'm not trying to be, not be sensitive, but we've all seen someone who's got a lame member, right? Sure. They have a hand, but it's not really functioning the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. So just because you are a member doesn't mean you're functioning in the capacity that God wants you to function. So that's something that you need to ask yourself. And the question I want to ask is, have you sought God's direction as to what it is specifically he wants you to do in the body? Now, when I say the body, I'm not just talking about these four walls, right? Um, well, there's more than four walls, but <laughs> these walls. Um, I, I'm talking about your, your membership in the body of Christ. That you're not just a member of the body of Christ when you're here. You're a member of the body of Christ when you're outside there as well. Now, the question is, are you praying and asking God, Lord, make it more clear to me as to what specifically it is, the gift, the administration, or the operation that it is you want me to fulfill? Now, naturally, what you do out there should flow into here, and what you do in here should flow into there, but I'm, I'm, I'm trying to say that it's not limited to what you do on a Sunday at church. Yeah or at Thursday at church. That's not it. It's what are you as a, as, a, as a member of this body of Christ. Now, as I've said, we're going to look at we need each other and the reasons for why we need each other and, and what that looks like. But there are often when you, when you say, <laughs> when you call people to, to action, there are always objections, right? Now, that, that happens anywhere. Now, one of the common objections would be to say that I don't have any, any gifts. I don't have any special gifts. Okay? I can't preach or I can't this or that. But go back to 1 Corinthians 12. Sorry, I should have told you to stay there. Look at 1 Corinthians 12. We stopped just short of verse 22. 1 Corinthians 12 says, Nay, much more, uh, sorry, 1 Corinthians 12.22 says, Nay, much more, the, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, upon these we bestow more abundant honor. And our uncomely parts, more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts have no need, but God hath tempered the body, there is compacted, tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that part which lacked. So whether you are esteemed as honorable or, you know, feeble or not, the point is, we are, they are of necessity. That's what it says. So it, irrespective of how you view the thing that you can do as valuable or not, if God has given that to you to do, it's incredibly necessary. And it changes the way you view what needs to be done and what you can offer. Because all of a sudden, it doesn't become, is it at that level, that level, that level, that, that level. It it's needs to function in the body. If, if, if that, regardless of how small the member is of my body, if I lose a small member, I still know about it. And the whole body knows about it. And so every member, whether we esteem them to be more, more, um, um, important or not, that, that, that's on us, because <laughs> every member has a place, and every member, even the, 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 less, the feeble or the less comely ones, need that place. So don't say, I don't have anything to offer. Something else that people would say is that what I do, what I can offer is of insignificant value, right? But that's not the case. God wants to use every available person. Also, if you say you don't have any gifts, I think you're sort of making God a liar, isn't, isn't that, didn't he say he is given to every man, right? The Spirit has given to every man. So if we say we have no gifts, we make God a liar. Another one that people would call up is to say, I don't have time. Now, 
I, I don't think in every case someone is lying, right? I do think we are sometimes too busy. Um, the question is not whether we are busy or not. The question is, first of all, what are we busy with? Okay? So, and, and I, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to put... I don't want to convict you of anything, please. If God is saying, yes, I've been talking to you about that thing, listen to that, all right? But the point is, if we are busying ourselves with things that are not... Or let's say it's keeping us away from functioning in the body of Christ, then that's a problem. I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to put false conviction on you, but that is a problem. If, if we are not doing what God has called us to do, then time should not be an issue. Because, you know, I found that in myself, that often I would say I don't have time, and, that, and it is true. But the problem is, it's actually more I don't have time for this thing. Okay? Because, technically, if it was important enough for me, I could take away from something else to make time for that thing. So it's just a, ma it's a, matter, of, it's a matter of balance. And... Um, and by, 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 when I say this, when I say that thing or this thing, I'm talking about not neglecting your family as well. I'm talking about being in church. I'm talking about doing what God has called you to do, whether it's in this building, out of this building, everywhere as a member of, body of, of the body of Christ. You need to say, God, what is it that you want me to do? And I'm going to function in that capacity, right? Um, we don't want to say, I don't have time, but then have time for whole bunch of recreational things. Recreation is good, <laughs> but not too much of it if it makes you not do any other thing for God. So I'm not saying these temporal things are bad, but I'm saying that they are not gold, silver, and precious stones, right? And we, we don't want to stand there at the judgment seat of Christ with not necessarily a bag full of sin, but with wood, hay, and stubble, right? I did all these things but I didn't do that for Christ, right? And th that, that's the heart of it. That's what we need to get down to, is to say, am I doing what I am doing? Because some of us will, will not think twice to give extra to work, extra to our studies, extra to whatever it is, but not extra for God. So we need to just check ourselves when it comes to this. All right, so let's turn to... Exodus, Exodus chapter 18. This message is, is, is not one of conduct manipulation. <laughs> it's, it's one of heart change. And that, that's my desire, is to say that the, the change that comes is as a result of my heart that gets aligned with God's heart. It's not how do I manipulate my conduct such that it looks like I'm doing more. Does, does that make sense? All right. All right. So when, when I say we need each other, the Bible is full of reasons. Galatians 6 says we need to bear one another's burdens. In 1 Thessalonians, we read about we need to comfort one another. Right? In James chapter 5, we are to confess our faults to one another and we are to pray for one another. In Hebrews 10, we are to exhort one another to love and to good works. So the... You cannot separate the one another's <laughs> from the Bible. So many people say, but where does the Bible say, you know, you need to be a part of a church? Well, <laughs> try and do one another's effectively without a body, right? Um, but the point is there are a lot of things that we could go on, and we're not going to go into all of that, but we're going to look at Exodus chapter 18. And we're going to look at what happens here. Now, in Exodus 18, Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, um, hears about Israel's... Um, successes or their conquering and how God has led Moses and the people throughout their journey in the wilderness and throughout the 10 plagues and how they got out of Egypt. And he hears of this and he hears that Moses is encamped close to Mount Sinai. And so he decides to bring Zipporah, Moses's wife, and his two sons back to Moses. Because at some point Moses sent them away for the, for the work that he was going to do. All right? And so he brings his wife and children back to him. And they have a, they have a, a good meeting. The Moses tells um, Jethro what happened. And Jethro praises God and he offers a sacrifice to God. And um, they have a meal together with the elders of Israel. And it's a, it's, a good, it's a good time where they see, wow, God has really been good. Okay? And then in verse 13, the next day, 
Moses goes straight back to work. Verse 13 says, And it came to pass on the morrow that Moses sat to judge the people, and the people stood by Moses from morning unto evening. And Moses' father-in-law saw all that he, um, saw all that he did um, to the people and said, What is this thing that thou doest to the people? Why sittest thou thyself alone, and all the people stand by thee from morning unto even? And Moses said unto his father-in-law, Because the people came unto me um, um, to inquire of God. When, um, when they have a matter, they come unto me, and I judge between one and another, and I do make them know the statutes of God and his laws. And Moses' um, uh, Mo father-in-law said unto him, The thing that thou doest is not good. Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and the people that is with thee. This thing is too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform thyself, it thyself alone. So the first reason I want to say why we need each other is because we need perspective, right? We need perspective. Why do I say perspective? Well, if you're in a valley, you don't have the view of that valley as someone who has it from the mountaintop, right? Someone's on the mountain looking at the valley, but you're down there in the valley. Your view is completely different. What I'm trying to say is, is when you are in a situation you don't necessarily see all of the details that someone externally can see. Okay? Okay? So, we've often seen that in relationships. You see a boy and a girl, and this girl is in trouble, and she doesn't know what to do. And you, you can see from the outside that this is a mess. This is not going to work. But because she's in it, she doesn't see it. Right? And so often we need perspective from the outside, and that's exactly what Jethro is giving to Moses. Right? What... what you know, Moses is actually, oh, Jethro is actually going on, out on quite a limb here. Moses has just led the whole nation from the Egyptians, conquered that, went through the Red Sea, the ten plagues, manna from heaven, meat in the day, like the armies of Amalek, like there's been great victories. Okay? And now Jethro comes in from the side and says, what you're doing is not good. <laughs> Moses is up here. <laughs> He's on a spiritual high, but someone from the outside could see something that he's not seeing. And could I maybe say that to an extent his success has blinded him? He did not see everything clearly as he should have. Okay? Now, he was blinded by his success, his success, what God has been doing, which is a good thing, right? He was potentially blinded by the size of the job that he had at hand. He has all these people and they need guidance, right? So that could have blinded him. He could also have been blinded by the needs of the people. The people were struggling. The people had issues. So he wanted to help. So Moses' heart and his endeavors, they were good. And oftentimes we're doing things with a good intention. But because we're in it, we don't see everything that we're supposed to see. So we need perspective. We need each other for perspective. Now, can I give you an example of how I think he lost perspective in a, in, to an extent? The first thing, yes, we saw that in how that he, um, he was judging from morning to evening and he was wearing himself out completely. Okay? He's lost perspective in that sense. But just have a look at um, Exodus 18, verse, verse 5. It says, And Jethro, Moses' father-in-law, came with his sons, and his wife unto Moses into the wilderness, um, into the wilderness where he encamped at the mount of God. And he said unto Moses, I thy father in law Jethro am come unto thee, and thy wife and her two sons with her. And Moses went out to meet his father in law, and did I don't know how to say that word, obeisance, obeisance, and kissed him. And they asked each other of the welfare, and they went into the tent. Now Moses hadn't seen Zipporah and his kids for a very long time. Now, I'm, I, I don't want to get into eisegesis, but what we have here, he sees his father-in-law, he greets his father-in-law, he kisses his father-in-law, he goes into a tent with his father-in-law, and the next day he goes to judge the people. Now, I'm not saying Moses did not greet his wife or his children, <laughs> but it's not stated here. 
All I'm saying is, is he could have potentially been so involved with the stuff, right? That he's actually, and, and here's this priest from Midian, he's come. And I'm going to greet him, and I'm going to kiss him, and I'm going to tell him, and I'm going to help him, and I'm going to show him. And then I'm going to go into the ministry. Like, it feels like, hi, wife. <laughs> hi, kids. Good to see you. Missed you, you know. No, I'm not, that's what I'm saying. I don't want to get into eisegesis. I'm not saying that didn't happen, but it's not written yet. And so I'm saying sometimes the things on which we lose perspective are the things that are the closest to us. Because we know they won't go away. And so we neglect sometimes the people that, 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 that need us right around us because we're so focused on helping there and there and there and there, right? And so I think having good people around you, having godly people, people who want to show you and point you to what God wants in his word are going to bring that perspective and say, brother, sister, maybe you're neglecting that. Maybe you're not focusing enough on that. Have you thought about, you know, you need that. We need perspective. Otherwise, we will get sucked into this little world that we're living in without having anyone outside of us. So, have you lost perspective? Are you on the side of Moses where you're wearing yourself out? Do you need some perspective in that? Or maybe you're on the side of the people who are doing nothing except basically murmuring and complaining and fighting. Um, doing nothing and as a result you're not growing, you're not helping, and basically, you're becoming overfed, oversensitive, and passive. That's what's happening with the nation of Israel. If you are being fed, but you're not doing anything with that energy, you get fat and passive. That, that's how it works. So the question is, you can be on Moses' side, which needs perspective. But you can also be on the nation of Israel's side, and, both of the, and they also need perspective. And so we need each other to give each other perspective. Let's have a look at the next one. We need good counsel. We need good counsel. Exodus chapter 18 and verse 19. It says, Hearken now unto my voice. I will give thee counsel. And God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to Godward, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. And thou shalt teach them, the ordinance, or teach them ordinances and laws, and, thou, and shalt show them the way wherein they must walk, and the work that they must do. Moreover, Thou shalt provide out of all the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and place such over them to be rulers of thousands, rulers of hundreds, rulers of fifties, and rulers of tens. And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, and every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. We need good counsel. Jethro, if I can say as an intro to this point, he didn't just come out and fly at Moses and say what you're doing is wrong, right? He had, he had observed how he treated his coming and his coming of his wife and his children. He had seen how he had treated the people, how he was walking from, eve from morning till evening. He had viewed all of these things. Right? We have in Proverbs 18 verse 13, it says, He that answers a matter before he hears it, it is folly and shame unto him. Right? So he waits, he views, he understands the matter, he sees what's going on in Moses' life, he's heard what God has done in Moses' life, and only then does he decide to say something. Okay? That's practical advice for anyone towards his brother or sister. Try and understand before you just help. Right? Because... Yeah. <laughs> I've done that. So I want to help. Yes, but <laughs> how? <laughs> you, 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 the best way in which you can help is sometimes to listen and to understand before you just give advice. So that's one thing about Jethro's attitude. But what is the advice that he gives him? Have a look at verse 19. He says, Hearken unto my voice, and I will give thee counsel. Then he says, And God shall be with thee. Be thou for the people to God word, that thou mayest bring the causes unto God. The first thing he tells Moses is, you need to keep praying for the people. That's good counsel. What is something that every member, especially someone like Moses, what is he supposed to do? Keep praying for the people. Keep taking their, their concerns, the things they're struggling with, the things that you need to give them advice on, take it to God. 
You know, when, sometimes you get so comfortable, and potentially Moses was there, where he was so comfortable with leading Israel, having all these victories, that he was somewhat comfortable to not necessarily always seek God. Because I've done this before. I've been there before. I've spoken this before, right? And so we need to take it to God. That's the first point of counsel that he gives, is dependency on God. We need to be dependent on God. We need people around us praying for us. We need to pray for one another. We are to bear one another's burdens. We are to confess our faults. And right after that, it says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Right? So that is, we need to be there for one another, praying for one another. Another point of good counsel that Jethro gives is in verse 20. And he says, and thou shalt teach them, um, the, teach them ordinances and laws, and thou shalt show them the way wherein they must walk and the work that they must do. Here we have an example of discipleship. Right? You are going to teach them, you are going to show them, and then you are going to show them how they must walk and what they must do. Right? That's discipleship. And so we are to disciple one another, we are to show each other, and you need people who can show you that so that they can also, verse 21, lead the people. And now Moses was potentially not taking that as seriously as he should have. And so all the people were dependent on him for, him, for them to declare what God wanted them to do. Right? That's a way of overloading yourself. You need to, right, what is that saying about fishing? Something about don't give a man a fish, teach him to fish or something like that. Right? In a sense, that was, that's what the advice is. Train up people, disciple them, show them so that everything is not on you. Right, so that's obviously speaking to the people who are in that position specifically. Moses had to disciple these people. They had to be equipped so that there could be people who could be chosen from. Because you don't, you don't choo- choose someone that's not equipped. So you need to get someone equipped so that you can choose them. Right? Simple, very simple um, statement. Now the question is, are you being equipped? Right? People don't disciple themselves. That's not discipleship, right? Maybe that's self-righteous pride or something. If you think you're doing it, don't worry, I don't need it. I can do it, right? Discipleship is, I'm here, I need someone to guide me. That's the method Jesus used. That's the method we see throughout the New Testament. Um, In 2 Timothy 2, verse 2, it says, That which thou hast heard, the same commit thou to faithful men, who can teach others also, right? It's a, I've heard this, I'm going to disciple so that you can also, right? That's, that's the model. That's the model that we're supposed to have. So the question, first of all, is are you equipping yourself? Are you readying yourself for service, right? We're all in this body. We're all supposed to function together. We all have a specific purpose. So you, if you're not sure what it is, at least get yourself equipped <laughs> while you're waiting, for what God wants you to do. You can't stand back and say, when God calls me to do something, then I'll get equipped. He won't call you. <laughs> right? He is going to call people who have been faithful with the least. People who have been doing what God has shown to them. And that's that thing of specific and general will of God. Right? Don't ask for the specifics if you don't even have the general things down. Right? Are you thankful? That's, that's, that is the will of God. Your sanctification, that is the will of God, revealed, right? So we need to focus on those things. Then, what's the third point of advice or counsel that we give in verse 21? It says, moreover, thou shalt provide out of the people able men, such as fear God, men of truth, hating covetousness, and you will place them over these different groups. So, you need to use equipped ones. You need to use able ones. So, question one is, are you able? Are you able? Well, what are the qualifications in this passage? Do you fear God? Right? Do you fear God? Do you love truth? And do you hate covetousness? Now, it gets somewhat subjective. Pastor Mike spoke about that last week, Sunday, um, about how much do I need to fear God to qualify? Right? How much do I need to love truth? And how much do I need to hate covetousness in order to qualify to be an able person? 
an equipped person. I can't say, you know, 80% <laughs> against what am I measuring that, right? So it, it's very difficult to give a number like that, but I would bring it down to the desires of that person's heart, right? Fearing God. Do you have a desire to allow God's justice and holy, holiness to calibrate your speech and action? That's fearing God. It's saying God is just and God is holy, and therefore I will amend my ways and my speech such that it is in line with what God expects. Because he is holy and he is just. Okay? Is that the heart's desire of this person? To love truth. That is to say, I have truth. <laughs> and I'm going to hold to that. I'm going to love this. I'm going to say what God said about this, what God said about that. I'm going to take a stand and I'm going to hold the truth. And then to hate covetousness. That's more on the character of this man. Right? This, that is to speak of dishonest gain, whether it's financial, whether it's the praise of men, but it's to gain something in a dishonest way. So in other words, you're faking it or you're, you're, you're doing corrupt things or you're entering it for the gain that you will have. And so that's what I'm saying. It, it, it points to the character. Now, what is your character? If you want to be equipped, if you want to be an able person who can function in this capacity in the local body of Christ, do you fear God, do you love truth, and do you hate covetousness? Because if you do that, you qualify for that use. And that is what we all need to aspire to. Now, this is a New Testament principle. Keep your, keep your place. Acts 18, look at Acts 6. Acts chapter 6. Now what happened with the people of Israel is that they were multiplying, they were growing, they were many people, and Moses was overwhelmed. In Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6 and verse 1 it says, And in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there arose a murmuring of the Grecians against the Hebrews because their widows were neglected in the daily ministration. So what's going on here is that the people were growing. The church was growing. And there weren't enough people to minister to all the needs. Verse 2. Then the twelve called the multitude of the disciples unto them and said, It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. Wherefore, brethren, look out, look ye out among um, yourselves, uh, sorry, among you seven of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And we will give ourselves continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. Now, in other words, what we see Moses had to do, Moses had to keep bringing the prayers or the, the supplications of the people to God. And he had to teach, disciple them. That's essentially what the verse four says, continually to prayer and the ministry of the word. That's what that the, the leaders of that church had to do. While look for people who are filled with the Holy Ghost. Do you see there that you are, not, you are to be saved, yes, baptized by the Spirit into the body of Christ, receive the Spirit, but full of the Holy Ghost, even to not do the spiritual work in the church. Right? That speaks of someone's heart that is devoted to the cause of God. Lord, here I am, walk through me, work through me. That's working of the Spirit. So we are looking for people to do the work, able people, equipped people, so that Moses, so that the leader can devote himself to that which is most profitable. Right? If that is not done, people are neglected and the leader is overworked. So the people suffer <laughs> and the leader suffers. No one benefits. That's what happened in Moses' time. That's what happened in that early church. Neither parties are established or growing. Both are struggling. And that brings me to my third point back in Exodus, Exodus 18. We need each other, yes, to provide perspective. We need each other to give good counsel. But we also need each other for the well-being of us all. We need each other for the well-being of us all. Have a look at verse 18. 18. Exodus 18, verse 18, it says, Thou wilt surely wear away, both thou and this people, 
that is with thee. Right? Both will be worn out. In Ecclesiastes 4, we read that two are better than one. Right? We need to stand together. We need to work together. Look at verse 22. It's for the well-being of us all. Verse 22 says, And let them judge the people at all seasons. And it shall be that every great matter they shall bring unto thee, and every small matter they shall judge. So shall it be easier for thyself, and they shall bear the burden with thee. Right? When I read that word easier, <laughs> oftentimes we think that easier is bad. It must be tough. Right? It must be difficult. But it's a good thing that it's easier. This is not being, condo- oh, this is not being condemned. It must be easier so that you can carry your burdens together. Because if, if, if the leader is worn out, he cannot lead effectively. That's just how it works. So, it shall be better, it shall be easier for thyself. Have a look at uh, verse 23. And if thou shalt do this thing, and God command thee so, then thou shalt be able to endure, and all this people shall also go, into, in, in the, uh, go their place in peace. So the people will go their place in peace. Okay? So once again I say, it's for the well-being of us all. The leader will be able to endure. The leader will have more capacity. The leader will um, have longer service and be able to focus his efforts. The followers will find peace, will find answers. They will be strengthened. They will have stability. And also, the willing and the capable people will find a means in which they can serve. Something that can really also wear you out is doing nothing. Yes. <laughs> Seriously. Yes, if you don't have any purpose, if you don't know what you're supposed to do, that's also tiring. Right. But if you have, if God says, this is something you can do, and you can take that and say, Lord, I'm going to do it for you, that's, that's invigorating. Right. That, that, that's encouraging. So both those who were equipped are now getting an opportunity to do something, those are, who are not equipped are now being equipped, and the leader is finding people to share the burden with. Yep. That is for the well-being of us all. That is functioning together. Now, there's a lot of things I wanted to say also about the character of Moses. Right? As I mentioned, he's on the spiritual high. He's leading this people, and here his father-in-law of all people come and say, what you're doing is not good. Right? But how does Moses respond? He actually says, I'm going to pray about it. Just like Jethro, Jethro actually gives them all this, uh, this advice, verse 23. And then he says, if thou shalt do this, this thing, and God command thee so, then shalt, thou shalt be able to endure. So in other words, he's saying, this is what I think you should do. This I think is good counsel, but check it with God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And Moses does exactly that. Right after this, where's Moses? On the mount. Right after that, Exodus 20, the law is given. Now, I'm not saying this is a fact, but if Moses did not delegate these responsibilities, would he have, been, would he have seen clearly enough to go up the mount, to know that that's where God wants him to be, to receive the law, right? Because he had delegated, other people could hold the fort while he was on the mount. You see, the mount... And the, the law comes after, let's all call it that, that personal encounter with God, that closeness with God, came as a result of Moses being willing to say, this is good counsel. I'm going to take it to God. I am going to take this to heart. And then God could actually deal more personally with him in the following chapter to come. So this brings me back to where we started. The body of Christ is created with many members and each one with a function to fulfill. Ephesians 4 verse 16 says, From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, maketh increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. If the foot is not working as we should, the body will be crawling, right? If your feet are not working, the body is going to have to crawl. That's not, it, it's functioning, but it's not really functioning effectively. So we need to, every member ask ourselves is, am I doing what God wants me to do? He has equipped me, he has placed me, 
I need to make sure that I'm functioning in that capacity as God would have me do. So, ask us, we all need to ask ourselves is, what can I change to be a healthy member of the body of Christ? Because my membership affects the other members. Right? I'm not saying, let me, let me rather put it this way. The easy thing to do is, he says I must be at church more. That's a, that's, that's a closed Bible, closed prayer approach to this. I think if you start at God's word and if you start in prayer, God is going to show you that he wants you to be more involved in the body of Christ. But don't just close the Bible and say, oh, I'm not going to pray about it, I'm just going to come to church more. Like, what's the point of that? Your heart's still closed. You're not going to be touched. You want to say, God, touch my heart, change my heart. I want to do what you want me to do, but I need you to show me what it is. Don't, don't do that. I said, don't do it blindly. Don't, don't close your eyes and just say, oh, okay, that's what I'm going to do then. Pray, see God, ask him what he wants you to do in this body so that you can be not a, uh, a drain on the body, but actually help the body to function better. Right? That's what we want. We want every member fitly joined, compacted, so that we are a strong, healthy body, a strong building, bricks that are solid, so that we can actually work together for God's greater purpose together. Amen. You can stand. Now, in just a moment, you're going to bow your heads, but I, I want to say a couple things on this, just to further this point. He had to choose out able men, not, not just any old man, but able men. It, it's been asked recently, Pastor, do you have somebody, I, I've just led this person to Christ, but my schedule's full. I'm already discipling this many people. Is there anybody that you can maybe ask to disciple this new convert? And then I start to pray and think, all right, where, where can I go? Are you ready for that? Can, are, are, are you able for that? Not just able mentally. Is your schedule able for that? Would you be willing to move some things around to take on that privilege, that responsibility? We have about 20 people that show up to go out soul winning on Saturdays, plus minus. It would be really good if we had a few people that could be the lead so that the newcomers could listen to how a, a veteran does it. Does that make sense? And this is how we pass it down from one generation to the next. And this is how the body makes that kind of progress. But we, we need some able men to choose from. And by God's grace, I want to I take on board the good advice. Of, of, I can't do it all. Because <laughs> we'll just crawl to the finish line if we do that. Amen. So we all have something to pray about now. Let's bow our heads. Let's take this to the Lord in prayer. I want you to be thinking on, on this. The pianist is going to play something softly. And just search your heart now. This message covered all of us. Right? It covered the whole show. Pastor all the way down to the newest member. At some point, you are the one saying, Moses, I need advice. No shame in that. But, but then there's going to need to be a time where you're able to pass that advice on to the next person. We need to get there.
are not setting an example that I would want that new convert to follow. I, I, I can't do that. I have prayed about it. God, what about this one? They've been in the church seven, eight, nine, ten years. genuinely tell that new convert, yep, follow in the footsteps of this guy, you'll be on the right path. Well, boy. I want to I be a profitable member. I want you to be profitable members. Father, help us. We, we've been given some solid advice today and the advice was if, if God tell thee so Lord that's, that's what grabbed my heart if God tell thee so Lord we you've given us something to do you've given us the means by which to do it God please instill in us the character grow us, teach us, remind us shape us to vessels meet for the master's use. And Lord, I, I pray that you'd help me. God, please help me. I, I need that perspective. Father, help, help me to see it. Help me to have ears to hear. To hear from you, to hear from others. Give me wisdom when people are ready to take on a little bit more. Continue to raise up men and women for that purpose. Thank you for this body, this local body. Lord, help us to continue to grow together and to become more like you. Father, we love you. We pray you bring us back later on tonight to learn even more. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Folks, thank you so much. Lord willing, we'll see you tonight.